From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, now featuring Happy Mondays with two-for-one Happy CBD Cocktails, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. The AP poll has been released, Trent Condon. Ooh, here we go. Iowa ranked 28. Okay, so they out were of the top 25. Out of the right? top 25. And then I don't know how many teams they list. 15, I guess. I'm just kind of eyeballing it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, no votes for Iowa State. Nebraska got one. K-State, 14. Iowa, um the 25, 25th ranked team, 234 points, whatever they mm-hmm. votes. Um, Iowa had 163, so it shows you how far away they are from it. But uh, anyways, uh, that's the latest. We'll look back. We'll clip and save that bad boy. Scott Dockerman and the Iowa media, they had a busy week. Thursday, I beg your pardon, Friday. Uh, Friday, they had the media day. Saturday, the kids practice to talk about those things. Is our friend Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Hello, Doc. Welcome, Trenton Ken. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Doing well. How much stock you put in the AP poll, Doc? The first one. Um, uh, well, personally, I put way more into it than I do the coaches poll. Ditto. But uh, yep. you know, at the, but at the same time, I'm, I'm this time of year is not anything to to really get too excited about. I mean, I guess if your team's ranked, it's, it's kind of a nice marker. But mm-hmm. um, but you know, I think it's a lot of times, and especially in today's era, it's more of a reflection of offensive prowess and excitement as opposed to uh, collectives on the defense or, or team accomplishment. So, cause I mean, let's face it, I was yeah, just sitting outside the top 25, but I think by any measurement, when you bring back as many players as they did from a defense, it's one of the best in the country. It should be a ranked team, but instead it's outside and you got USC and the kind of the, the usuals in there, uh, you know, I'm surprised Texas didn't get a first place vote or two, but uh, you know, but but either way, I mean, you know, people don't think that they're they deserve to be ranked, and I guess we'll find out fairly quickly, especially in week two. Well, we're going to get into what you saw Saturday and what you heard from uh, the players and the coaches on Friday. But, Doc, I did have one more media question I wanted to throw your way, and we talked about ESPN not being a part of the new television package deal, football. That's all well and good. You're, you're going to find football on the TV. My question was about best basketball, and especially men's basketball. Now, I think of the Big East, a conference I used to love, and I don't see it nearly as often as it's sitting there on FS1. And I'm watching college hoops every day of the week. As it pertains to Big Ten basketball, is it maybe more impactful that ESPN is not going to be part of this TV package? Well, sure. And, you know, part of it is because games are at all times of the week on all networks and it's sometimes it's difficult to find those games and i don't know that it'll matter so much for the the diehards or the big fans especially of, the, of a certain team but but when you're talking about the the fair weather casual fans or even those who are kind of just wanting to have a game on it's going to be more difficult to find it because the default especially during basketball season is always espn because espn own so many the rights to so many really good leagues of, of basketball, and and they're going to put those games on in in sports bars and what have you. So uh, now you're not going to have that you know 
in our time slot at six and eight on a Tuesday or a Thursday. You're not going to see Michigan State, Purdue, or Wisconsin, Michigan, or whatever, or Iowa and Minnesota. So you're going to miss out on that. But as we know, this is not about basketball. This is about football. Yep. I mean, football is the king. It is not close. And we we kind of throw out the 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 plot. It's towards basketball, but from the ratings to the revenue, it's so far. It, it's not even astronomical. The difference. It's it's uh, ga- galatial or black, however you say something in the galaxy. So um, that's that's really the real main thrust right now. It's king football for a reason. <laughs> There's another example yep. of it. Doc, let's get to the quarterbacks. We'll let you saw uh, on Saturday during the uh, uh, during the kids' practice. Um, you saw all three of them. Just to, you know, take away if you would, just a, a sentence or two on on uh, on the three that were on display on Saturday. I thought I thought Spencer Petrus looked pretty good actually. He didn't throw very much. I had him four for six, and he was on target with the other two. Um, uh, just you know, did the receiver or, or there was good defense that prevented that play. I thought by and large he was um, accurate. He was on time, uh, and you know, and I thought he led the team. He didn't. He was he was in there the least of the three, but I think that was. Uh, but overall, he certainly looked better than I thought he did in the spring. And then, you know, Alex Padilla, to me, didn't hurt himself either. I thought he did a nice job of leading the team and, and completing passes and, and putting himself in that situation where he could be talked about, if nothing else. And, and if uh, Petrus struggles, I think Padilla has enough potential to where he could step in. Uh, but, you know, Joey Labus, maybe this was that uh, moment that, the coaches probably wanted, <laughs> which was very inconsistent. Uh, he had some good moments, and he had some ones you really think he needs to take back. And and maybe that's what the coaches wanted us all to see a little bit was, okay, everybody likes the third teamer, but he's not ready for a prime time. And I think that's probably my takeaway from him. I'm not saying he can't be, but at, at this point, he did some things on the you know with just with the ball, you know, picking it up after a fumbled snap and completed a pass and did some really interesting things, but he also made a couple of really dumb mistakes that I would put him in the category of like CJ Beathard, 2013, mm-hmm. uh, who wasn't great at all that year, but, you know, got to be pretty good by the end of his career. So uh, I, I would say, you know, what, what we've been thinking the last six months, you know, Padilla and Peter is kind of up uh, way up ahead of Labus, I think. That's probably the case right now. Scott Dockerman joining us from the Athletic DACA. From there to the offensive line. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. you got to have protection. And the offensive line, even banged up, at least from the reports that I've been reading, including years at the Athletic, sounds like that offensive line looking maybe better than some of these August uh, Kids' Day practices we've seen in the past. Yeah, I've seen some real domination, mm-hmm. <laughs> mostly defensive domination in the in the past. and. And I thought that they ran the ball effectively. I mean, it, that's a tough spot uh, to run against a team like this. And and I thought overall, I'm like, okay, you know, they they did their job. They were um, they made some good blocks. I thought the I thought Lashawn Williams really looked good. Um, you know, kind of proved that he can be the number one guy if they need him to be. And and uh, Gavin Williams didn't uh, dress out, and it's been hurt for a little while. But but overall, I, I was. I was kind of impressed with the offensive line. I mean, it's patchwork, no question. Several key players are out, including left tackle uh, Mason Richmond. But, you know, I, I do think that uh, they they looked like they were progressing. 
and that's what you really need to see based off of last year and, and you know, even going against a good defense like Iowa's to, to get any kind of sustain any kind of drives, which they did. I thought they, they looked pretty good doing it. Doc, let's get to uh, the receivers. Obviously, this is a uh... – uh, a room that doesn't have a lot of depth that we know Brody Breck couldn't practice. Keegan Johnson, let's let's go there with him, Doc. What what's what's the latest on him? Um, what's what's his timeline and what's keeping him off the field? Have you heard? Yeah, I talked to him on Friday, um, and partly it's because he's got a he's got a kind of a lingering abdominal issue, and he really doesn't want to go. Wouldn't get you know say what it is. My guess and is that it's probably something like a, a sports hernia, but I could be off on that. But that'd be a, a guess of mine, and mm-hmm. and it, it's just something that's lingered. You know, he didn't wasn't in spring drills. He was withheld a lot during the summer, and he's still there now. And he said he hopes that he can get out there pretty soon, and maybe he will. And you know, they need him to because yep. they don't have a lot of depth there, as we know. I mean, you can compensate for some of that with. You know, more two tight end formations. I mean, they, they spread, you know, split out Sam Laporta, which I thought was an interesting step for them. Uh, that, you know, they've got two, three tight ends plus a fullback who could play tight end. So I think they've got some, some good pieces, but, but you just can't compensate for somebody who can get down the field and, and make plays. And he certainly can. So they need him out there. It sounds like it's going to happen sometime this camp, but, but if it's happened this long, you just don't know. Defensively, not a whole lot of concern over there. Concern probably wouldn't be the right word. How about what question remains defensively? Because it looks like they're going to be stacked again on that side of the football. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I didn't see anything that made me go, huh? You know, maybe, maybe a little bit of the inside runs. But you know what? There's two teams competing, and somebody ran the ball for five yards. Big deal. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it happens sometimes. You know, but. I I see some good things. I, I, I think it's really unless, until they get tested on that side of the ball that, you, that it's going to make you go, okay, I, I want I wonder about that. I would say the I wonder category would be still free safety with Quinn Schulte. I have no reason to believe he can't do the job, but, you know, I haven't seen it yet. And I would say, you know, Terry Roberts was out there because Jamari Harris wasn't dressed. And, um you know, can he take that job, or is it going to be Harris in week two and beyond? Uh, you know, that's a good competition, and you know, you wonder about depth, but I think they got a lot of it. You know, and, and Cooper DeGene is a guy that you see, you want to see out there as often as possible, but um, you know, he, he's he's in a different spot than he was last year. So I, I really don't have any concerns, but you just kind of wonder about question marks, and that you just won't know until. You know, Hunter Deckers is throwing to Xavier Hutchinson in week two. Uh, Wampka or Graves of the two fresh heralded freshmen on the defensive side of the ball, which uh, which one? I don't know. Caught your eye more? Maybe not unfair. Maybe they both did. Uh, your thoughts on both of the uh, the two freshmen? I'll say this. I, I mean, Xavier and Wampa did nothing to this to, to make me think that he can't play. He had a really good interception, went high for the ball, did it, but. There's no other true freshman lineman I've ever seen like Aaron Graves. He completely <laughs> dominated. He dominated that scrimmage. I mean, he looked man versus boys. Jesus, you know, fifth year senior against true freshman type. <laughs> and I mean, here he is a true freshman. He is he's out of this world. And you know, Kirk even said afterwards, you know, we'd be really stupid if we redshirted him. And and that, I, I don't know if that I don't think he'll start because you know you got 
Noah Shannon there and, and Logan Lee. Mm-hmm. But I think you're going to see this guy play 20-plus snaps a game, and he's going to be a real hellion for a lot of teams <laughs> this year, let alone in the future. I mean, he's he reminds me of uh, the way he plays of a bolt-up Mitch King. Mm-hmm. And that's Mitch King late in his career. So if he can gain another 10 to 15 pounds at defensive tackle, he's, he's – you know, you got to go all the way back to somebody like Alex Karras to have this kind Jeez. of impact. Oh, my God. I'm getting ahead of myself. That <laughs> is. <laughs> all right. Well, there that is. That'll work. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You'll take one of those, guys, if you can get them. The kicking game, 15 to 15. And these were chippies, right, Doc? I mean, 53-yarder for both of them. Your takeaway from the kicking game. And of the two, who does have the stronger leg between Blom and Stevens? Well, that's that's a great question there. I mean, that that was the biggest question mark for me going into it was what can the kickers do, and they did everything they were supposed to do. You know, you figure they, you know, I watched them in pregame and they weren't real accurate there, but but when it mattered, they, they that's you know fifteen. You can't complain with you know can't argue with that. Uh, I think uh, you know I think Stevens probably has a little bit stronger uh, leg, but uh, as we know that it, it's about consistency, and that's just one practice, and when both kickers are perfect it's you kind of got to go to look at the other uh the, the cards on the other areas so i don't know um i i would probably of the two i'd probably give stevens a slight edge but you know again as, as, as we've said before several times it's all going to come down to making critical kicks at critical junctures this team needs that it always plays that way you can't tell me I, i'm sure it's going to be close and competitive against iowa state against wisconsin Michigan. So, you know, hitting three of three field goals is going to be critical, not two of three. So we'll just have to see what who does what in the, in the critical junctures of this season. Uh, meteorites will be announced when, do you think, Doc? Is, it, uh, is what we're reading how you think it's going to play out? ESPN is out. CBS, NBC will join Fox. Yeah, it's it's pretty much wrapped up. They're, they're finalizing everything. Could be today, could be tomorrow maybe even later this week at the very latest. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be, uh, I mean, it's pretty regimented. It's going to be nice, I think, for Big Ten fans. I, I, might get, I haven't heard the exact number of years, but I'm thinking seven is kind of what's been bandied about. And uh, I, I would say right now what you're looking at is now you know for sure there will be a night game every week. Yep. And there you know there'll be a 2.30 game every week on this network every single time. So if you've got a really good game, you know, and Iowa playing, um, you know, Minnesota or Wisconsin, you feel like, okay, you're going to get a really good prime window. And uh, I think you got to feel good about that because there's a lot of uncertainty right now for this year. I mean, I know Iowa, uh, Iowa-Michigan is going to be either at 11 or 2.30, and that's, but it, or 2.30 or 3.00. But there, it's a Fox property game, and and I know that kind of bums everybody out, but that's kind of the way it is. But you know, even look at Iowa State, Iowa, that that game could end up on a, on one of those three networks in two years. So you know, I, I think this is this is going to be a good series. But but yeah, we're going to get some games on streaming, probably Peacock. Um, they're making a uh, there's a couple of companies. I think Amazon's making a one last push, but um, it's likely that, it, that there'll be a game a week or so on Peacock. Final thing, full circle. Back to the most important position in football in your article today at The Athletic. Spencer Petras becoming 
One of those great fifth-year stories. <laughs> it was a good and, read. It was. You know, yeah. Doc, it, it's something that's so interesting. We think of all these great stories, but it hasn't been at that quarterback position in the past. What does give you that hope that Petrus can to take away some of the deficiencies we've seen and, and put together a great senior year? I think if there's any reason that he can do that, it's because he's just been – he's really worked his butt off to get to where he is. And I, I brought that up to him about – you know, hey, he, he didn't go to spring break in South Padre or Daytona Beach. He went he went to New Jersey <laughs> to work out um, with with a quarterback guru. You know, he did that, and during his winter break, he did that after he graduated. Um, you know, he's trying to do this, and he's like, "Look, this is my life. This is the most important thing to me. I want to be good at it when I can." You know, and, and so he's putting the effort into it. The offense is has gotten tweaked. I did see some small changes not much but i think that this is really um you know that this is something that he believes in and if you put that kind of effort into it you're going to probably see some positive results and and if that's the case for him it's completing one more pass per quarter on average than he did last year and it's getting up to 61 62 percent it's making those smart decisions extending drives ultimately scoring more points so i think it's uh you know with him you know, do I believe it's going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I do think that he's put enough enough effort into where he's he's going to give it his best shot. Doc, Big Ten Network crews today in Iowa City or tomorrow? Isn't it early this week? Yeah, it's early this week. I uh, it, ca- it caught me off guard. I forgot which day it was. I think I know it's <laughs> early in the week. Though, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I did talk to. Dave Revson last week, too, at, at length. But, uh, yeah, I can't remember if he told me it was Monday or Tuesday. But, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll get a chance to see a little bit more than what we saw uh, on Saturday. And, uh, you know, we got a good view of the team. And, and hopefully Big Ten Network shines a, gives us a little bit more to, to talk to. Talk Indeed. About. Great stuff, Scott Darkerman. Thank you, as always. Anything you'd like to share that you've got coming out this week? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm actually writing about the Cyclones and, uh, and trophies. Uh, for tomorrow, so uh, you know, we I did a Twitter poll yesterday. I saw that. Yep. Players at Media Day about whether or not they need another traveling trophy. So um, you know, I, I don't write a lot about Iowa State, but I do write a little. And, uh, and this story, I think, was a lot of fun to kind of put together and and look at what kind of trophy it, that, that Iowa State needs with one particular opponent, Kansas State, which has been the overwhelming favorite. And I, I think that'll be fun to. Take a look at tomorrow for you guys. Good stuff. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Have a good one. Thank you. You do the same. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic as we catch up on the Hawkeyes. Boy, that's uh, some glowing terms on young graves, huh? Yes. Alex Karras? (laughs) Well, you see the pictures of him. He doesn't look like a freshman. He doesn't. Apparently plays like a fifth-year senior. Well, and you throw Lucas Van Ness, who looks like Incredible Hulk. Mm Mm-hmm. You know who we're not hearing about on that side of the ball? Get that this time last year was in every conversation. Y.A. Black? Y.A. Black. Yeah. He was part of the early rotation group at defensive tackle. Uh-huh. Noah Shannon was a starter along with Logan Lee, who sounds like Logan Lee's finally healthy. Mm, sounds like it, yep. And that was a guy that could have played tight end. They moved him to the defensive side of the football. They're excited about him. After Van Ness, who has the most sacks on the defensive line? Well, you know who gets in the backfield a lot, Trent, and he's hurt too, Joe Evans. Yes, absolutely. And more of a complete player now than early in his career, where he was just kind of an undersized player. He's a great story. Yes, he is. 
Joey the Bull. Story. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Wagner? I don't know. Maybe. Might, might need to put some odds together for that. Might be a fun and segment. And the Condon here. Casino? We'll make the Condon Casino. We'll get some Iowa and Iowa State props up here and see if, since we can't legally bet in the state, we can at least have some fun on the air with it. Uh, Nick Olson's going to join us next. Uh, he covers Iowa State for CycloneAlert.com. Nick Olson in the wings. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book. Right at your fingertips. Circa Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circa Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit CircaSports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? iHeartRadio. Well, construction can give you a good life by giving you opportunities to be a part of a team that does real tangible things in your community. For many of us, it's that feeling of doing something with our hands and creating something from scratch and or giving back to a new home or a remodel project. Do you enjoy working with your hands? Do you enjoy providing for your community? Do you enjoy getting out there and doing a hard day's work and coming home and saying, yeah, I did that? Apply today. Wolfconstruction.net. Simplified. Local farmers markets are back in 2022 in your community. Shop local and eat global at the Global Greens Farmers Market. The market supports former refugees building small businesses and finding a path to sustainability through farming. Check them out Saturdays 9 a.m. to 12:30 p.m. through October 29th at Lutheran Service of Iowa's Des Moines campus. This farmers market PSA is brought to you by NCMIC and iHeartMedia. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Former Hawkeye caught a touchdown pass this weekend in preseason. Really? Which one? Was it Amir Smith Marset? It was not. Hmm. Gonna guess Kittle didn't play a whole lot. It's Parker Hesse. <laughs> what? He's a tight end with Atlanta. Got a touchdown pass. I thought he was a fullback. Isn't that where maybe it was tight end? I, yeah. He was playing tight end in the game that uh, uh, must have been. Were they flipping back and forth from that in the Denver? I don't know, but I watched him do it. Young man from Walk On. The Walk On from Walk On. Was he not? Did he I think he was a scholarship guy. Was he in yeah. the beginning? Yeah. All right. But he, he came in when. Who was for. Who got hurt that forced him as a freshman? Yeah. Go in Somebody there. did, yes. yeah. Uh, undersized, but now he's playing That's uh, great. tight end. Uh, let's get to Nick Olson. He covers Iowa State 24-7 sports. CycloneAlert.com. Hello, Nick Olson. Trenton Ken, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? How was the trip? Oh, we're moving a little slow today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Vegas won. Uh, put it that way, as they normally do. Uh, Vegas indeed won. All right, Nick, lots of ground to cover with you. Let's start basketball-wise before we get into football. Yet another commitment for T.J. Otzelberger's team. What, uh, what a run they're on. They have put together a very, very special 2023 class, and I think this Caden Fish is you know, maybe one of the perfect final pieces to it. Technically, he is kind of a power forward, like a couple of the recruits already are, but he plays a little bit of a different role. I know I mentioned him when, you know, he was kind of getting some interest. He plays really bigger than his size. He's not afraid to 
defend. I would say positions two through five. He's tough. He actually just had a really good last week uh, on kind of the AAU circuit. And, you know, of course it helps that he's got some built-in chemistry with Omaha Blue from the EYBL circuit. So a lot of good there, and I know that the Cyclones are feeling pretty strongly about this 2023 class, which I believe is still top five in the entire country. Yeah, how about that? Well, since we just did another trivia question, here's one for both of you. This was kind of a different one. Yeah. Which former Cyclone basketball player caught a touchdown pass this weekend? Cyclone Oh, I know this one. (laughs) Jacobson, right? Michael Jacobson caught a touchdown (laughs) for the Colts. Wow. Just absolutely. Thank you for the reminder. Somebody called in, but that's uh, That's a good one. Yeah, so he started, he was with the Seahawks last year. He was, yeah. Now, did he make it through camp or was he on the practice squad? Anybody know? I don't, I don't remember know offhand. Yeah, but um, well, I don't remember him being active at least. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't either. We 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 said this during his his high school career. Mm-hmm. Making a mistake playing basketball, <laughs> you should pl- stick to football. No, yeah, had a hell of a career at Iowa State once he got there. Uh, but he played a big big role in Kansas City. I want to say one of their Big Twelve championships. Yes, and had a little uh, backbone. When he was surrounded by by uh, uh, Hawkeyes at uh, at the Cyhawk game, Anyways. so there's one six eight guy. There's a future six eight guy coming in. I'm not talking about Omaha Blue. Uh, you told me a little bit, Nick, that you got some information up in Wisconsin up from your stomping grounds on Momsilich. Uh, what can you tell us on that front? Six eight two zero five, the thirty second ranked player at twenty four seven Sports overall. Overall, Jesus. Yeah, well, he was he was there, but I actually so I, I actually did get to meet him. But I interviewed his current high school teammate, who is a major Iowa State target for next year, Nick Janowski. Okay, and so that'll be fresh out tomorrow. Those two are pretty good friends, and I expect Iowa State to be really a top contender for Janowski for a while. I know that you know they're close enough where they would at least feel comfortable playing together, and he's just kind of this perfect epitome of a you know, modern era combo slash shooting guard. He's really impressive kid, nice lefty, pure jumper, quick with the dribble. I'm a big fan of his game, and, you know, I really appreciate that he took the time, got a really in-depth interview with him, and that'll be coming out tomorrow. You know, he's one of those kids that's just not afraid to really reveal his confidence in himself, has formed good relationships with J.R. Blount and T.J. Otzelberger. So it'll be interesting to see how his recruitment goes along a year younger than his teammate in Munchilovich. Hmm, interesting. Well, let's get to football. Uh, I know that uh, good for Iowa State. They've been uh, trotting out a number of assistant coaches throughout the week. I don't believe you've had the coordinators yet. Uh, Nate Shieldhouse was one of them. Boy, a lot of buzz around Eli Sanders after this last week. Would you say that you know after um, you know whatever it's been the first ten days or so of camp, one of the stories starting to emerge is Eli Sanders, or is that too much hype? I think it's I think it's fair to say he's one of the stories, but I would kind of pump the brakes in terms of him potentially starting. I think that that would surprise me. Not that that's what you said, but he has been. Yeah, I've put him on my board as you know one of the top performers probably three times. I think that you know I certainly saw early in the spring he was good out of the backfield, kind of as a pass catcher. I know I hit on that with you guys, but I guess he's had a couple of the longest runs, you know, really at. Uh, practice so far i know shieldhouse mentioned one last week where he got into a foot race downfield with one of the fastest dbs on the team too and darian porter we got a little time with sanders and i know that he feels really confident about kind of where he is and his game is right now but for now i'm sticking to you know kind of this is a 
competitive group as a whole at that position. And I don't think that Brock has necessarily lost the the ideals of the RB1 if there were to be one at this point. Tight end was at the forefront of the conversation last week. We haven't had a chance to talk to you uh, since that appearance when you heard from Coach Mauser. Fill us in a little bit. A guy that I've certainly been intrigued by is Tyler Moore. A little undersized coming in, but a guy that I saw Johnston play a whole bunch of and was always walked away impressed by him. It's going to be a different type of group this year. What have you heard about the tight ends? Yeah, so, you know, I've kind of been preaching. I even said it last week after we got to talk with, with Mauser that, there may not be the big names of Charlie Kohler and Chase Allen, but the group is actually really deep and versatile. Tyler Moore, I was impressed with his physicality, just kind of being around him and hearing that he has had a couple of the best days at tight end. I know he had a huge weekend last weekend, not just these, these other couple days. Obviously, Easton Dean, there's been buzz about him for a long time. Deshaun Hanneke has stepped up some nice days. And then I'll give you guys a name here. I, I put it on the board over the weekend, Steve O'Clock. Not necessarily one of the names you've heard the most, but I know that that you know kind of position group is really high on him. And I had heard that you know in the scrimmage yesterday, he was one of the best players on the entire team in, mm-hmm. in the scrimmage. And and I had kind of pumped his name last week, so that that timing was really good. He's you know under the radar, like I said, but you guys can quote me on this. I'll be shell shocked if you're not seeing him on the field sometimes this fall because that tight end room is deep. And Taylor Mauser is not afraid to, you know, kind of give the guys that have earned those spots in camp some playing time, no matter really, you know, how, how new they might be or kind of how experienced they are at the position. So what, what's your, what I'm hearing you say, Nick, is, um, you know, we just would have assumed, right, with, uh, with Chase Allen, who's gone. He caught a, he caught a, I know he played in the Bears game. I believe he started uh, in the Bears game. Uh, Komet is out. We know that, uh, obviously, Kohler was a fourth-round pick, and he's hurt. Uh, so we just, I, at least I would have, I would have assumed that maybe that position, there won't be many balls thrown to the tight ends. Maybe I'm mistaken. Yeah, I would push back on that a little bit. I mean, just based on kind of what I heard from Mauser and then these really strong bites from, from the scrimmage, I, I really heard that from multiple people you know, that were kind of either there or a part of things. So, I, quite honestly, I'm really going to be intrigued at how the target breakdown looks late in the season. I know we talked about receivers, you know, that maybe could get 20, 20 or so catches. I think this thing is kind of going to be like the old – maybe Patriots and Broncos offenses where a lot of guys are just kind of getting there. A lot of guys are kind of eating in this offense, no matter if they're the big names or not. Of course, the top two guys at wide out will get their looks, but yeah, I'll push back on tight end. I, I'm honestly going to say that like running back, I think it's going to be an area of strength. It just might not have the, you know, one guy with 50 catches, 800 yards and six scores or something like that. Defensively, we continue to hear Colby Reader, the transfer, doing good work during August camp. Is he a starter? I mean, short of an injury, do you think he's got a starting spot lockdown at linebacker? Yeah, yep. I'll be very surprised if if Reader is not, you know, a starter. Health aside, uh, week one, I, I've continued to hear his leadership has been pretty impressive for being new to this team, and I know that he's really stacked some good days. Uh, Coach Tyson Vite. We spoke with him last week, and he mentioned that was one of the better stretches for Reader so far. I know that he's certainly gained the trust and respect of his teammates, especially the veterans, and I think it's going to be an older linebacking crew 
to start for the Cyclones this fall. Uh, so you mentioned there was a scrimmage yesterday. Uh, any other nuggets come your way that uh, based on what uh, uh, somebody saw on the field uh, at uh, yesterday's scrimmage? Yeah, so mostly, you know, I, I mentioned the running back room. Deion Silas was a, was a guy that really performed well yesterday. And then, you know, kind of by my count and from what I heard, the tight end, they might have been the best group on the field yesterday, certainly in the offense. I think they accounted for, you know, a great majority of the touchdowns scored, at least in the passing game. And I, I think that overall it was a good day for that group. And Steve O'Klaas is kind of turning some heads as a guy that, I believe came in as a walk-on at Iowa State. Hmm. That's wild. That's certainly a name I'm going to pay. <laughs> yep. Hey, have you heard? And I'm not insinuating that there is, uh, but it's contact sport after all. Any injury buzz? Have you heard anything? Not necessarily enough to uh, to say like a hundred percent. I know that there have kind of been some questions and some guys resting but not where I know the extent of the, the injury, per se. Um, I, I do think the team has been pretty healthy overall uh, into camp into this weekend. That's what I'd comfortably say with 100% confidence, but it, it wouldn't shock me if, if there's a guy or two hurt, not necessarily long-term. Final thing for me, and I guess away from the camp and what we're getting used to, but you still talk to recruits all the time. You know, NIL. It was just over a year ago now that it went into effect. And for a place like Iowa State, you know, we know that they have a couple of collectives in place and, and there's opportunities there. In the grand scheme of things, has this changed recruiting as you see it, as you talk to these guys day in and day out? I know it's a part of the conversation, but is it still just all kind of wrapped up into one big ball? How big of an impact have you seen just over a year? I think that it's, that impact is building. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily been a huge effect, at least in terms of guys Iowa State has really pushed for and, you know, kind of this side of things. But as I get deeper into this recruiting world, I think it's actually going to even start to be bigger because more schools are getting collectives. Not everyone can compete with some of the biggest kind of programs and, you know, brand names in the country. And I'm interested to see as much as, I think players should be, you know, kind of getting what what they're worth and absolutely things like that. How it changes the the whole kind of relationships and schemes throughout a recruitment, because now it kind of feels like that's such a major talking point that some of the getting to know you and looking out for each other might not necessarily be as important in the end all be all. Uh, a couple more, we'll let you go, Nick. Uh, any nuggets at all as to who has the lead in the role of uh, who's going to be the kicker? That is still pretty tight. You know, I'll give you the same kind of names that I've mentioned recently. I know that they felt like this weekend could give them a better look, but for, from what I've kind of gathered, nobody has really taken that top spot. I think that's a position, unlike some of these other battles, like unlike corner and, you know, tight end and edge that I've kind of told you guys about, I think that one is going to go at least another week or two because they want to get a little more time, not only, you know, the obvious kicking, but in some live game type practice situation and finally uh, what uh, coaches do you get this week nick yeah so tomorrow we will be speaking with quarterbacks coach uh, joel gordon and safety coach Dion broomfield i know that i'm excited to ask about ashton cook you know that's the player that i've mentioned yeah, a lot of people here for yeah. a long time 
and that I really want to hear, you know, Gordon's takes on how he's progressed since the spring and mm-hmm. where things kind of stand there, as well as the safety competition a little bit. You know, I feel like I know where that sits right now, but that'll be a good one to hear more about as well tomorrow evening at 8. And we'll read about it at CycloneAlert.com. Anything else you've got coming up this week, Nick, that you'd like to promote? The Janowski article is definitely one that I think fans will really be interested in. He really opened up on kind of his game, his persona, and his recruitment. That'll be out tomorrow afternoon for people. Good stuff, Nick Olson, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. Keep killing it over there, Nick. Thank you. Appreciate you, my friend. Thanks, guys. Yep, good to talk to you. Nick Olson uh, with the latest on uh, Iowa State. So what do you make about that? No kicker? I mean, I don't know. A lot of names on the list. There are a lot of names on the and... list. Maybe it's just because Iowa, they didn't get any clarity, I don't think. The clarity that we got was, hey, maybe both of these guys can. It was not as bad as it looked right. back in the spring. Right. So at least you have that is the take. And that was the, the, that was the same question in Ames as we saw it in Iowa City. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, if, if indeed there's a, you know, a kick to be made late in a football game to decide it, do they have a guy that can make it? And the difference also in Iowa City is, well, at least they have a punter. Tori Taylor, right? Yes, if you're talking field position, they got that. Right. That's another question, though, that know. we have with Iowa State. It's not just kicker. It's also mm-hmm. punter. And then the way that both of these programs and both of these teams play. The margin for error uh-huh. is not great. And all of a sudden, go back to the last time Iowa State played in Kinnick. That game, for all intents and purposes, oh, field to- position. Taylor won them the game in yes. a lot of ways. And on the other side, it was poor punting from uh-huh. Iowa State that cost them so much yep. field position in yep. a tight game. Yep. It matters. Yes, it's punning, and we laugh, and the no. T-shirts and everything else, but it matters. Yes, the way both these programs play in a big time way. Field position critical. Trent's play of the day. It's next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, one hundred six point three. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with twelve million in guaranteed prizes only at Circus Sports. With two ways to win and no rake. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com. Free Meadows. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Tomorrow at 10.30, Phil Steele will join us. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Our yearly conversation with Mr. Steele. We've had the magazine in our possession for, what, about a month now? Uh, yeah, late June we got it. Yeah, Probably a little, a little more. bit more than a month. Although there have been a bunch of changes, some this morning. <laughs> Brendan, the uh, LSU quarterback, presumptive LSU quarterback, he didn't win the job and he's left the program. He has left the program. Jared Deggy, you remember him at West Virginia? Yeah. Bowling Green before that. He went to Western Kentucky. Well, he's got to be started there. Well, of course he's not. He is in the transfer portal. <laughs> so, oh, my. So you go to Western Kentucky, basically go through summer workouts. Start up camp. Before school starts, you're looking for another home. Out the door. Is there a spot in Iowa City? 
<laughs> no, Petrus is the guy. All right. All right. Uh, let's get to your play of the day. It's only baseball yeah. that I know of. Do you have any? Um, no, I have not jumped th- aboard with anything else. Okay. So there was looking at some tennis. Golf was profitable again this week. Zaltoris, good to see him win finally. Yes. Went to, went extra holes, but he finally got a win. Yeah. And boy, it was ugly. It was awful <laughs> golf. That was uh, right as we were playing. I was just looking on Twitter and seeing things. I'm like, oh man, this, this thing is a disaster. But looked to be entertaining. And now we go yeah, it was to. Good. Week two of the playoffs and cut the field down a little bit more. Saw the Osage native, Troy Merritt, up towards the top of the leaderboard. He made it to the next weekend. So we'll be back on the horse again with golf this weekend. Four baseball plays. We start late this afternoon. It is the Padres at the Marlins. 541st pitch there. What a matchup. Musgrove against Alcantara. Yeah. I'm going Musgrove. Are you? Minus 120, San Diego. I've been been on San Diego a lot. Going to go the other way here, Mm -hmm. like the Padres in a bounce-back fashion. Let's go with two dogs. We start with Baltimore. That good choice because it's Kikuchi Mm -hmm. for the Jays. Jays cannot pitch. How about the Royals? Bubich has been better as of late. No, don't bet against your Twins. Twins got to get one. Plus 185. I'll take that all day long. And give me the Dodgers, minus 155. Another good pitching matchup here. With Peralta on the other side for the Brew Crew, but I am going to jump aboard with the Dodgers as the winning streak is at 12. That's unbelievable. They're playing 700 baseball. It's amazing. Doesn't matter what happens. I know it's short series and anything could happen, but the gap between them and everybody else is we've seen the Yankees kind of take Except a little bit of a step for back. the Astros, maybe. That's still the one. You, you love this Astros team. I think that they're the, they're the biggest threat. What would you prefer to see? Dodgers-Yankees? Nope. Dodgers-Astros in the World Series? Taking your betting side of it away. Well, I was going to say, yeah. I can't lose if it's Dodgers-Astros. Uh, um, I think Astros would be a better series. You do? I do. I Just because of the storylines yeah. and the popularity. And, and Yankee Stadium and the pinstripes. Yes. And coast first, uh, right, East Coast, Left Coast. First time since 1980 those that, two that teams be, get together in World Series. Uh, have you, how far have you got your uh, Jeter series, the captain? I'm uh, two episodes in. I just started the third. It's really good, Trent. It is. I've got one left. There's seven of them. I've got through six. I caught up with them yesterday in Hard Knocks when I couldn't find the Vikings game. And then you told me it was on 8.2. 8.3. Whatever it is. It's yeah. not on... KCCI for us old timers. I didn't even think. Didn't even think about it. Uh, anyways, uh, that's going to do it for us tomorrow. Again, Phil Steele will join us. College football conversation with Phil Steele tomorrow morning at 10 30. Uh, Murph and Andy coming your way in an hour and five minutes. We've been gone. Is there any news in the Fanatics? Uh, nothing that I have heard. How about you? No, nothing. Um, not that I've heard. Not that's official. Not that's out there. Miller and Condon, that's your local programming still to come. Uh, Trent and I are here Monday through Friday from 10 until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.